0: Why don't we pray again before we look at God's Word. Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. and We thank you for your Word. We thank you that we can come together to read it. And we pray that you would shape and change us to be more like your Son, the Lord Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, today we're continuing our series looking at the wisdom of God. Now, when you think of wisdom and you think of the Bible, what's the book that comes to mind? A book of Proverbs, All right? I think that's what you said. I hope so. And uh, what we see in Proverbs, remember we looked at this last week, is that wisdom is a good thing. All right? So Proverbs 8, 11, wisdom is better than jewels and nothing desirable can compare with it. And if you remember from last week, the way that Proverbs works... Are there statements that are generally true about life? So I'll give you an example. So Proverbs ten verse four idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring riches. That's generally true of life, isn't it? If you are idle, if you are lazy, then you tend to be poor. If you are diligent, if you are hard working, then you tend to well be rich. Well, one of the things that we see in life is that things don't always go as planned. And life doesn't always work like this, right? There are times when the one who is idle ends up rich. And the one who works hard ends up poor. And so while Proverbs is generally quite positive about life, we need to read it alongside the book of Ecclesiastes we're looking at today, and also the book of Job, And reminds us that life doesn't always go as planned. And so it's really important that we take this in mind because, well, chances are life does not go the way that we would like. And so we need to be prepared for when that happens. And so today then our focus is on the book of Ecclesiastes. Now just to kind of give you a bit of a big picture, what's the book about we're going to look at the first three verses first of all, which kind of spell out the big picture of Ecclesiastes. So look there, verse 1, and we see the author of this book. So chapter 1, verse 1, the words of the teacher, son of David's king in Jerusalem. Now you might ask, who is this teacher who's writing the book? Well, some would say it must be Solomon right he was a king in Jerusalem literally he was the son of David we find out the teacher was wise and rich so it seems to fit right there is one problem though the way that Ecclesiastes is written in the original language it seems like it was written at a time much later than Solomon so the idea perhaps it wasn't Solomon who wrote it in the end, we don't know for sure. The book doesn't say it was written by Solomon. All we can say it was, it was the teacher. All right? So the teacher's writing these words to us. Verse 2 gives us the theme, right? the big picture of the book. Verse 2, absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility, everything is futile. And you kind of get the picture that Ecclesiastes is a pretty depressing kind of book, right? And you see that right from the beginning. The teacher's summary of the world is futility. But what does he mean by this? Well, he has this picture he uses a number of times in Ecclesiastes to say that life is like the pursuit of the wind, right? This is the kind of image to have in your mind as you read Ecclesiastes, right? Imagine you were to go outside and you were to run around and try and catch the wind in your hands right what would that be like it would be pretty hard right to do it would feel pretty futile pretty meaningless and that is the teacher's description of life but verse 3 then is this question that the teacher is trying to answer so verse 3 what does a man gain for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun so the question of Ecclesiastes is, what is the purpose of work? Right? More broadly, what is the purpose of life? So if we put that together on the screen. Oh, hang on. There we go. Yep. Great. So three things. The author, the teacher, the answer, futility, the question, what is the purpose of life? So if we turn around. There you go. Right. Ecclesiastes answering the question, what is the purpose of life? The answer futility and who's writing it the teacher and what we learn about the teacher he is a man of wisdom a man of riches and so if there's anyone who can answer this question well the teacher has a pretty good shot at it right so we should listen to what or how he gets to his answer now it's worth being up front Ecclesiastes is not an easy book to understand, right? It's part of the wisdom literature. It's just the kind of book you need to keep reading again and again to really get, uh, get a handle on it. Uh, it's the kind of book you think, yeah, maybe I've got my hands around it. And then, well, it's like a chasing of the wind, perhaps. You know? then, it, uh, then it leaves you as you read it again. But that's my challenge then for today. We're not going to be able to understand everything in Ecclesiastes in one talk. But my challenge for you is to go home and read it, right? That's your homework. You didn't know when you came to church today you get homework, but it's true, right? You've got to go home, you've got to take out your Bible, and you've got to read through Ecclesiastes, right? But what we're going to do in the time we have together is I'm going to share with you two themes that I think are really important in Ecclesiastes, right? Partly I hope that it'll help you understand it as you go home and read it, as you will, I'm sure, uh, but also as a motivation, Right, hopefully from these two points you'll see why we should read Ecclesiastes, right? what's the benefit to us, why we should be motivated to go home and do our homework. Right? So two themes, helps us understand the nature of our world and secondly the nature of true wisdom. Right? So kind of two parts to the talk. So firstly then, Ecclesiastes helps us understand our world. Now if you think about our world, think about the way that people live, I think it's fair to say that for many people, a significant driving force is what we might call materialism, right? Living for the things of this world, the material world, things that you can, you can touch, things you can see, things that you can taste. And so for many people in our world, the purpose of life is, well, you go to school, you get a job, you earn money, So you can buy the things that you want, right? You can collect treasures. You can earn money so you can experience pleasures. You can earn money to pay for the next overseas travel, whatever it is. And you do that again and again and again. You spend your money, you go back to work, you earn some more so you can spend it again. But here's the thing, right? See, the teacher, as he tries to answer the question, what's life all about, Well, that is what he tries out. He devotes himself to this life of pleasure. And so that's what we see in chapter 2, right? If you look in your Bibles, chapter 2, verse 1 to 11, is the teacher trying to answer the question, is meaning and purpose found in the pursuit of pleasure? Well, let's have a look how it goes. Verse 1, I said to myself, go ahead, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy what is good. So verse 4, he increases his achievements. He built houses and vineyards and gardens and parks and reservoirs. He acquires lots of things. Verse 7, male and female servants and slaves, cattle and flocks and silver and gold and treasure and male and female singers and many concubines. In fact, verse 10, all that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. So you can see the teacher has thrown himself into this life of pleasure. But what's his conclusion? Verse 11, When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had laboured to achieve, I found everything to be futile and a pursuit of the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. It's a pretty depressing conclusion, isn't it? for the teacher as he tries to find meaning and purpose in that way of life but why does he say that well the the big problem that that underlies ecclesiastes is, is the problem of death right so you can work hard you can labor and strive to collect all these things but death will come and when death comes what happens to all those things Will they get passed on to someone else. Right? You can labour and strive to experience the world in all its fullness, but the reality is death will come. Those pleasures and experiences will come to nothing. In fact, the teacher says there will not even be a memory of you after you die. Which, if you stop and think about it, is, is true, right? I just think for a moment I think of your parents right many of you would know your parents many of you would know your your grandparents but what about your great-grandparents right just three generations do you know their name do you know what they did for work do you know what they labored and strived for to achieve see for many of us the answer is no There is no memory of those who have gone before us. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, hang on, hang on, I've done my family history, right? And you can recite 13 generations back and whatever. Well, anyway, good use of your time, I'm sure. (laughs) Or... Or you might be thinking, right? Hang on, hang on. I've got a really famous person back in my history, right? And and we still talk about them. Maybe maybe Martin Luther. Maybe related to him. I don't know, right? Last couple of weeks have been church. We've been talking about a man who, well, was alive 500 years ago, right? Way back in the past. There you go, right? But the point is not: Do we remember people 500 years ago in the past? but will anyone remember you in 500 years or 50 years 50 years after you die will anyone even know your name it's a pretty depressing thought isn't it and when you think about it like that what what is the point of life what is the point of striving and working hard and labouring when death will come and all those things will come to an end? You can see for what see why the teacher, when he reflects on life, he says everything is futile. I think it'd be an interesting experience to, to find someone who's not a Christian right maybe one of your friends and to sit down and say look can we read ecclesiastes together and ask them do you think that's true right the teacher's assessment of life as futility do you think that's true i just wonder that for many people around us they would say yes i right? see so people can distract themselves by throwing themselves into the things of this world but if people are really honest we know that death will come what is the point of living now one of the things that you'll see in ecclesiastes right as you do your homework remember that's what you're going to do the week to come you'll see another time in ecclesiastes there is some rays of sunshine, right? Where the teacher says, look, life is short, but make the most of it, right? Enjoy life while you can. Right? right, I'll give you an example of this. So turn to Ecclesiastes chapter nine. Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse seven. All right, nine, verse seven. Okay, and the teacher, well, he starts out positive. Verse 7 Go eat your bread with pleasure and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already accepted your works. Let your clothes be white all the time and never let oil be lacking on your head. Right, the teacher says, Well, enjoy life. You know, enjoy your food, enjoy your wine. You can wear nice clothes, you know, have a fancy hairdo. Uh, this week I spent extra time working on my hair, right? I thought i better apply Ecclesiastes, right? But have a look at how he continues. Verse 9, enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life. The word fleeting, you see, a footnote, it's the word futile that comes up again and again in Ecclesiastes, See, even in the moments where the teacher is sort of positive about life, we cannot escape the crushing reality of death. Listen how he continues. he says these fleeting life which has been given to you under the sun all your fleeting days for that is your portion in life and in your struggle under the sun. Whatever your hands find to do, do with all your strength because there is no work planning knowledge or wisdom in sheol in death where you are going you can see the teacher's summary of this life futility everything is futile now you might be sitting here thinking hang on i thought you were trying to encourage me to read ecclesiastes right it's not a particularly uplifting kind of book is it But see, this is where I think Ecclesiastes is so helpful for us because it helps us understand the true nature of our world. It helps us understand life under the sun because there are times when we feel like this as Christians. There are times when we feel like life is a struggle. There's times we feel like life is pointless. I think back to chapter 1 we read before, the teacher says, the sun rises, the sun sets again and again and again. The wind blows one way and changes and changes and then comes back to the same direction. Right? There are times where life feels wearisome, tiresome. We do the same things over and over and over again. So we get up, we go to work, you finish the report. Well, the next day another report is due. You fix the plane, the next day... Well, there's another plane to fix. If your job is collecting garbage, you empty the bins one day. The next, guess what? The bins are full again. You go home, you change the baby's nappy. Well, there's another seven coming for you. You show kindness to one person. The next day, there's another ten. Life can seem pointless. Doing the same things over and over again the teacher reminds us that sometimes life is unfair you look to the place of justice and there is wickedness the righteous seem to suffer and those who are wicked seem to prosper and then there are the times that death touches our lives and how we rage against death the pain that it brings the hurt and the heartache as we see the lives of those around us cut short and so when we find ourselves in those dark moments times when we struggle with life under the sun or we can turn to the scriptures to God's word to us and we can see that that is acknowledged before us to see, yes we shouldn't be surprised to find life like this we shouldn't be surprised to find life a struggle and to know that God understands what it's like to live our life under the sun. And so Ecclesiastes can be really helpful as we find ourselves struggling with life. But see, there's one thing, as we will continue to read through the pages of the Scriptures, there's one thing that changes everything. Right, see, the teacher was wise, yes, of course, but for us as Christians, right, we, we know more than the teacher right, because we know of, of Jesus, right, that he came into our world, that he, he died in our place, that he rose to life again. Right? 1 Corinthians 15, we read before, is all about the resurrection, that Jesus died and rose to life again. It's about our hope of resurrection, that as we trust in Jesus, we too will be raised with him And that we can look forward to life forever with him. And so for the Apostle Paul, writing 1 Corinthians 15, as he reflects on the hope of the resurrection, this is how he finishes the chapter. He says, Therefore, therefore in light of our hope, therefore my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. You see that last phrase? Your labour in the Lord is not in vain. As we know the hope of resurrection, as we look forward to life beyond death, as we have that certain hope in Jesus, that brings meaning and purpose now. As we devote ourselves to our labour in the Lord as we proclaim Jesus, as we grow disciples, as we serve together for the glory of God. what we see these things are not in vain. The resurrection brings meaning and purpose now. So coming back to our two themes, and hopefully you can see Ecclesiastes, the, the impact that it makes on us now, as it helps us recognize the frustrations of this world. But as we read Ecclesiastes in light of the New Testament, we can look forward to the hope of the resurrection and the meaning and purpose it brings to our lives now. But that brings us then to the second point, right? The nature of true wisdom. Now, it's going to be a bit shorter, okay? So don't worry, right? The second one will be shorter. Thinking about the nature of true wisdom. And in particular, what Ecclesiastes does is it shows us the limitations of wisdom. Well, it's a bit of a surprising thing to say, I think, because you think, well, hang on, it's, it's wisdom literature in the Bible, right? It should be, should be positive about wisdom, and, and Ecclesiastes is, but part of wisdom is recognizing its own limitations, right? And you see this in the journey of the teacher, right? Remember, right back to the beginning, he's trying to answer the question, what's the purpose of life, right? And so he tries to work it out through his Wisdom uh, he starts out very positive, so uh, Ecclesiastes one twelve I, the teacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to seek and explore through wisdom all that is done under heaven, right? so he starts out positive he 's going to answer this question right, and then we see the way that he tries to do it, but in chapter seven, and turn there chapter seven verse twenty three we see the teacher reflect. On his journey so far, so it's 7.23, I'm going to read from. Right, he reflects on his journey so far. He says, I've tested all this by wisdom. I resolved I will be wise, but it was beyond me. What exists is beyond reach and very deep. Who can... Discover it. That's an amazing confession, isn't it, by the teacher? To say as he's tried to answer this question, as he's applied his wisdom to the question of meaning and purpose, he says he it was beyond him. He could not answer it by his wisdom. In fact, in the rest of the chapter, chapter 7, he talks about these two, two women. Now, in the wisdom literature, there's two metaphors uh, of women. So there's Lady Wisdom on one side and Dame Folly on the other. Right? And he says in chapter 7, look, I tried to find one true woman, right, Lady Wisdom, but he says, I could not find her. Instead, well, I find a woman more bitter than death. A woman who is a trap, her heart a net and her hands chains. A reference to Dame Folly. The the teacher thought he was wise, he could answer the question, but he actually finds that he's been a fool. And so when it comes to the question of meaning and purpose, what we see in Ecclesiastes is it cannot be answered by wisdom alone human wisdom is not enough to understand our meaning and purpose in this life and in fact if that is all that we have then the answer we come to is futility but what we see for the teacher at the very end of ecclesiastes as he reflects on his journey has this really interesting conclusion right so look there ecclesiastes chapter 12 turn there and we see the teacher's conclusion to his journey, to his exploration of answering that question. All right, so twelve, thirteen. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is, fear God and keep his commands, because this is for all humanity. So in the end, for all his exploration, well, it's a simple conclusion in the end, isn't it? to fear god to to honor him to respect him to see him as the sovereign lord to see ourselves as his creatures and so to obey his commands we see that for the teacher for all his hard work in the answer in this in the end the answer is simple true wisdom is found in knowing god Uh, i'll show you a picture right hopefully this uh hopefully this helps right the true nature of wisdom we have here A person, right? There you go. And uh, this is, in, in one sense, the teacher, right? He tries to explore the world, looking out to answer the big questions of life, right? What is our meaning? What is our purpose? But what we see by the teacher's own admission, that to do this, to rely on human wisdom alone, leaves you as a fool, You cannot answer those questions by yourself. But instead, by the end of Ecclesiastes, as the teacher goes through this journey, he says no true wisdom is found in reference to God. right? In understanding who God is, that our job as creatures is to fear Him, to honour and serve Him as our Creator. Now, it's worth saying, to, to be on this side, right, to be a believer, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, one who, who knows God, doesn't instantly make you wise, right? There are people who are followers of Jesus, but when it comes to living in this world, <laughs> or you could say, well, wise is probably not the first thing you'd say, right? There is a constant encouragement in the Scripture that we would grow in wisdom. And part of the way that we grow in wisdom is by looking out on the world through our experience our observation but it must be done in reference to God in fact part of wisdom comes as we grow in our knowledge of who God is and so we see this same kind of understanding of wisdom in the New Testament so if we think of of wisdom and foolishness we think of well 1 Corinthians 1 right where Paul there talks about the message of the cross The message of Jesus who came to die in our place. And he says, so 1 Corinthians 1, he says, the message of the cross will is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of a crucified saviour does seem like foolishness, but Paul says it is the wisdom of God. It is the power of God for those who are being saved. Because it's only by Jesus' death that we can have the hope of resurrection. And then in 1 Corinthians, there's this line that I I, I find is really helpful. It says, God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. Now, it's not saying that God is ever foolish, right? But but it's about putting people in their place at the height of human wisdom. Well, it does not compare to God's wisdom. See, I'll put it this way, right? There are many people in our world who know a lot about the way the world works right there's people with university degrees and letters after their name and can explain you know really complicated physics or whatever it is but as we understand the true nature of wisdom if they do not know god the bible says they are fools i don't have to understand that's a very offensive message to our world isn't it something offensive to the intelligent people of our worlds and yet this is the true nature of wisdom if we do not know god in the lord jesus and the bible says we are fools but on the other hand see paul reflects on the corinthian christians And he says, look, consider your calling. Not many of you are are wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. As Paul thinks of those Corinthian Christians, he said, look, you're not anyone particular special. But God's... Sorry, Paul says, God has chosen the wise. Sorry, he says, God has chosen the foolish to shame the wise. God has chosen what is weak in the world. To shame the strong so you could be you're sitting here tonight and and you don't really think of yourself as anyone particularly special right you wouldn't describe yourself as intelligent right? you might not have a particularly you know high-flying job you might not have been to university maybe you didn't finish school right in the eyes of the world or you might think you are a fool but what we see is we understand the true nature of wisdom if you know jesus who is god's given wisdom for us if you know him if you trust in him and have the hope of life forever well that is where true wisdom is found that is where true wisdom is found and as we turn to him or we have the hope of life forever i mean surely that is wisdom right trusting in the great promises of God and what we see as we look at Ecclesiastes in light of the New Testament as we have that hope of life forever as we know that death is not the end well that is what brings meaning and purpose to our life now well how about i lead us in prayer and give thanks for those things Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the message of the cross, that Jesus entered our world, that he died in our place to secure the forgiveness that we need and that he offers us the hope of life forever. And Father, we pray that we would be wise, that we would put our trust in him and that we would look forward to the hope of of heaven not on the basis of what we do but on the basis of our savior who died for us father we pray for us as we live life under the sun we pray for those who are struggling at this moment for those who face the frustrations of this world for those who've experienced the sadness of death Father, you know the struggles that we face. You know the pain that we experience. And Father, we thank you that Jesus entered into our world, that he faced all these things in our place. And Father, we pray in those dark times that we would look to the hope of the resurrection, that we'd long for the day when Christ returns and we may put that before our eyes May it bring meaning and purpose to our lives now. And may we devote ourselves to our labor in the Lord. And we pray this for your glory. Amen.